In this episode of the Trade Busters Podcast, we're going to be looking at the concept of premium capture rate. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started, I'm not a financial advisor. Everything in this episode is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, premium capture rate. This is probably the single most important factor that defines my trading style and how my strategies are built and my approach. Right, This encapsulates and sort of normalizes everything that I do and encapsulates all of my trading philosophies and approaches into a single metric. And so I wanted to take the time to go into a little bit about what this is, how it works, why it's so important, how it all came about. So when I first started you know, developing my income strategies, with the very first one being 7DDE, now I've always tried to be kind of systematic in my approach, not just in the trading, but in the research and developing, everything's incremental uh, through trial and error. For example, when I started with 70T, there wasn't even a stop loss mechanic because I felt that um, the raw edge and, and expectancy of, of selling premium would, would kind of show through with just multiple occurrences over time, right? Now, whether or not that's true is one story, but again, you guys know now that I'm all about um, using risk management to to shape the equity curve and cut down on, on volatility, even if it possibly means you know reducing your overall PL, but really managing the volatility of portfolio. So we, we added the stop loss there, so that kind of boosted, you know, that lowers the win rate, but it lowers the loss expectancy, so that improved things. Um, and if you go back to my 7 DTE uh, deep dive episode, I even talked about how at one point I thought I should be making a certain no expectancy, but the win rate was too low, so I adjusted things. Now, uh, you know, I, I basically lowered the delta until the, the trade became positive. Now, the thing is, um, as I was doing more strategies, and we added, at one point, we were looking into um, doing the 2 to 3 DTE strategy. That was the second of the, the three um, income strategies that I, you know, that I teach on these episodes. And a good friend of mine mentioned to me to look at a blog uh, that he had been following, um, and the blog is called Early Retirement Now, and I suggest you guys check it out um, if you're interested in the FIRE movement at all. Um, the FIRE movement, uh, FIRE stands for Financial Independence, Retire Early, um, and this guy is, uh, he had been using options, an, op- an option strategy to basically supplement part of his retirement income. Right? This was part of his income portfolio in retirement. Um, and I went there and, and I read through a lot of his blog posts and I suggest you guys take a look um, in order to look at all of his sort of uh, posting on his option strategies all at once because he blogs about different topics. Um, you can go to the top of the, uh, the web page and I'll link to the, the web page in the show notes. But at the top, basically, there's a section that says start here. You click on start here and it's a, basically a categorized archive of all of his posts. And right at the bottom, there's a section called derivatives, which basically goes, you know, because as he was writing, developing the strategy, he would make a, a blog post every time. And he wanted to do passive income through, through option writing. And he basically was the first person, um, somebody else that I saw that was selling these two to three DTE SPX options, right, put options. Now, the thing that really rang for me was as I was reading through these articles, one of them, he mentions this idea that he kind of budgeted for the loss amount, right? So because if you're using this as income, right, you don't expect to make the same amount of money every single time. 
or every year or every month, for example, but you want to have a consistent amount of income. So you need to know how much of your profits to actually take out of the account to not overdraw the account, right? Because you may be having a good month where you make a lot and in a, a bad month where you make less or you know some period of time where you don't make anything. And he said something that really stuck out to me. And basically he said through sort of all his trades, uh, you know, maybe some backtesting or maybe a combination of backtesting and live trading, he noticed that in the worst case, he was, and I don't remember exactly, but I'm just going to kind of paraphrase. In the worst case, he was, I think, keeping, you know, 40% of all the premium he sold. And this is net, you know, net of all of things. Okay, losses, wins combined. So, for example, if he sold, you know, $10,000 of premium, he was, even in the worst year after factoring losses, keeping 4,000 of the 10,000. So essentially he's keeping 40%. And since he said that 40% was the worst case, I think he budgeted, uh, essentially budgeted his income from the strategy to only keep 25% or something conservative. And again, the numbers may not be exact, but that's kind of the concept. And he didn't use the phrase premium capture rate, but this is essentially how it stuck out to me. And it was like, wow, Basically, you're trying to budget for um, how much of your premium you actually keep in the long term, you know, with your strategy, with the mechanics. And one interesting thing that, there, and, and this may be coincidence, or maybe this is just the way the math plays out. If you guys watch Tasty Trade, um, there's been a few times on air where people called in or wrote in and asked Tom, like, you know, how much of your theta do you expect to keep? Now, theta is time decay. And basically, that translates to how much of the premium, you know, because when we sell out of the money, we're trying to sell premium, right? We're trying to capture the time decay. Um, how much of the theta you expect to keep in a given year? And Tom basically said 25%. So again, I don't know if this was a coincidence, but I think there's something about that that maybe it's just kind of a optimal, you know, a sweet spot, you know? So that was kind of the lightning bolt moment for me. and. I essentially went back and that was the lens through which I viewed everything. So that was a singular metric which I focused on and all of my strategies and if you look at my trade log and it's actually very simple to calculate, right? So in my trade log, you can see that I aggregate everything and I have a column which is the total credit sold. That's literally just the sum of all the premium across every single trade right, in the entire uh, trade log history. And then you have the net PNL, um, which for me I live by as total PNL in the upper left corner normally. So if you take your total PNL, and the PNL is net, right? That's include all the winners, all the losers, and you take that and divide that by the total credit or total premium sold, that's your premium capture rate, right? It's just expressed as a percent. So, uh, and, and the thing that's interesting is uh, for me, this applies to only. Um, premium selling strategy, short premium, right? It doesn't really apply to debit strategies like, like long calendars or long iron condors, for example. And uh, so the thing is, expect a uh, premium capture is basically a way of expressing expectancy, but expectancy isn't a necessarily a way of measuring premium capture uh, because with debit strategies, you can still have an expectancy. You know, after you've run enough trades, you basically figure out how much dollars you expect to make per trade. Premium capture is specifically for premium selling, right? But in this case, 
when you're talking specifically about premium selling strategies, the premium capture rate also happens to measure the expectancy, right? In terms of a percent or a dollar. And so it's kind of a coincidence there. So um, two ways to say the same thing. If I have a premium capture rate of 25%, for example, it means that on average, if I if for every $10,000 of premium I sell, I expect to capture or bank 25% of that, which is $2,500. Another way to say that is for every dollar of premium you sell, you expect to bank 25% or 25 cents. So you expect to make 25 cents for every dollar on average. And again, one more other way to express it is, for example, if you tend to always sell your trades for a dollar, let's say your credit target is a dollar, right? You expect to make 25 cents per trade, right? So that's all kind of the same thing. But one thing that's really cool is with premium capture rate, it allows you to essentially compare apples to apples, different strategies, okay? Now, there are some limitations. You don't want to ex compare extremely different ones. Like for example, you know, comparing an iron condor or a strangle to a straddle. And the reason is because, you know, naturally when you have lower premium that you sell, when you sell out of the money options, you wanna try and capture as much of that as possible because otherwise if you make too little, like you know, we talked about this in the past, slippage and fees kind of eat up a, a lot of the, the profits. But for strategies like a straddle where you're selling at the money, you're getting this huge shot of, a huge shot of premium, you're only trying to take out maybe you know, 10, 15% of that on a winner. And after you factor in losers, you may only be capturing, you know, five to 10% of the total premium sold. So one thing to keep in mind is it's a good normalization factor for similar strategies, but you have to always keep it in context and you can't compare, you know, very different strategies. So, uh, and one way to look at it is like, you want to have a pretty healthy premium capture rate when your premium pool or premium sold is not that high, right? With a straddle or at the money strategies, you're selling a huge amount of premium. And so you don't expect to capture all of it, right? Because even a, a lower premium capture rate of a large pool of premium could be the same or more profit than a very low premium capture rate of a, um, you know, uh, sorry, it could be the same or higher profit than a high premium capture rate of a low pool of premium. So again, everything has to be relative and kind of kept in context, but for similar strategies, and for example, in the three income strategies that I sell, you know, the two to three DTE, the seven DTE, the four or five DTE, those are all kind of out of the money strategies, you know, below 30 Delta, below, you know, 20 Delta even. So it kind of has worked out that they are in the same range of premium capture rate. For seven DTE, I typically get about you know, I aim to get about 20 to 25%. 25% is kind of the golden, um, you know, the, the gold standard. And I have found recently that with the 45 DTE and 2 to 3 DTE with kind of some of the improvements we made, we pushed those a little higher to about the 30 to 35% range. And again, that actually makes sense because with the 5 Delta, you know, we're getting not a lot of premium for the notional risk, but what we're getting is a high win rate. And thus we expect to have a high premium capture rate. That's the trade-off. Um, so a couple other things is, you know, this is a basically a backwards looking metric. We can't know what it's going to be moving forward because you don't know what your win rate is going to be moving forward. And that's just the way, you know, I've always said with my strategies, we're kind of fixing the, the win-loss ratio 
Um, so we don't know what the worm rate's going to play out as, but we try to engineer it in a way where by choosing the delta, for example, we try to push the worm rate high enough, and thus you get that positive expectancy or positive premium capture rate. And premium capture rate is also sort of a measure of the efficiency of your trading. Um, when people compare different strategies, traditionally, one way people like to look at it is kind of return on capital, um, which makes sense because if you're trading different strategies with different sizes, different notionals, maybe using different allocations, you want to have something to normalize it, right? But the problem with um, ROC, return on capital, is it can really be skewed by things that aren't always a good idea. For example, you could, you know, people talk about a very tight credit spread, right? That really reduces um, the amount of capital that a trade takes. And so if you squeeze the amount of capital down that you take, you know, you can get pretty high return on that capital, right? And I've talked about this before, tight spreads are just a way to leverage. So when you do high leverage, you can basically increase or boost the, uh, the capital efficiency. But again, that has its own risk. Whereas with premium capture rate, um, that's something that's more kind of independent of the of the capital requirement. Um, and so again, it just serves as a way to kind of normalize and compare and contrast between strategies. And it lets me anchor and figure out if I'm kind of on track um, statistically the way that the strategy is running in the current year versus either the back test or what I anticipate going forward. Now, another interesting aspect is, you know, Think about, think about uh, rolling a trade, for example. And I'll just use kind of a simple example. You know, if I sold a put for a dollar, and let's say I had to roll it twice, right? And let's say, so I'm selling, uh, if I sell a put to open and I roll it twice, I've essentially sold a total of three puts, right? So let's say I sold it for a dollar and I rolled it out, right? I bought it closed for $2 and I sold another one for $2. Basically, I rolled for even credit, right? Most people would say you're not losing because, well, I didn't pay any extra debit, right? You rolled it out. Let's say on the second roll, I bought to close it for these dollars, $3 this time, and I sold another one for $3. Again, net credit even. Now, finally, the trade expires. So in this case, in my example, my first put was $1 sold. My second put was $2 sold. My third put was $3 sold. So I've sold a total of $6 in premium, but because I had to buy the second one back for $2 and the third one back for $3, for example, I've only made $1 profit, right? Profit's a profit, uh, but in this case, I've sold $6 worth of premium and I've only banked $1. So the premium capture rate in this case is only 16 you know, six six percent. So that can show you that, and and this is kind of self evident. Ready, like if you're rolling a trade for a long time, your capital is just tied up there, kind of doing nothing. So whatever profit you make at the end is lower in respect to how long the profit. You know, the 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 PL the PL per day is going to go down if you're in that trade for a long time, only to make a little bit, right? So that's kind of self evident. But again. This is just shows you that it's another way of manifesting. You can see that playing out. The fact that your premium capture rate is so low just by virtue of rolling this trade over and over again without collecting that much more credit. So it's just another way to show that it, it um, premium capture rate is a, kind of a way to show the efficiency of your trading. And so that's why for me, 
you know, it, that's just a personal choice. Like my style of trading, you know, for example, seven DTE, where I'm I'm selling every single day, and sometimes it gets subbed out, sometimes they don't. Um, I, but yeah, I'm viewing each trade independently, um, as a separate occurrence. Uh, you can almost think of you know, getting stopped out and opening again as, as rolling, as kind of a pseudo form of rolling, right? Because I'm putting on so many occurrences, like who's to say I'm not also rolling my trades, right? But again, that's just another way to look at it. So every single trade is looked independently and I aggregate the metrics across everything out of all the credits, then take the PL divided by the total premium sold. And that's where you get um, the premium capture rate. Um, so that's all I had on this for today. Again, just to kind of explain where this came from, how it's used, and why it's important. But knowing this, you know, moving forward to the next couple of episodes, we can finally start tying together uh, and wrapping what happened. You know, uh, I refer to as sort of the master masterclass series and and these few um, first few episodes of the podcast, um, because understanding this premium capture rate and where I'm coming from, we can next episode we can talk about the sizing of the trades and finally kind of combining everything um, into the portfolio and know running the entire ensemble uh, so once again if you guys don't know already you can go to my trading page at www.thetradebusters.com to look at my all the strategy pages you can look at that first essay that i wrote about premium catch rate i basically use some examples from that um, look at my trade logs look at the premium catch rate and kind of see how that plays out um, and find all the strategies and mechanics everything there also you can follow me on Twitter at the Trade Buster to uh, I do kind of post on these new episodes or maybe sometimes just uh, other thoughts that I have. And the podcast is now available across most of the major um, apps: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, all the major ones. Um, please, if you get a chance, um, take a minute to like, um, review, and maybe follow. That that does help with the um, uh, basically the distribution and the algorithm uh, giving me kind of more exposure for the podcast. So that would definitely help. And I really appreciate that. But that's all I have for today. Hope you enjoyed this one. And I'll see you guys next time.